spreaders hello spreaders it is our last episode of 2019 (laughs) i don't know whether to cry or laugh or i don't know and honestly there's no better episode to end this year with than a conversation that i had and was so glad to be a part of while i was in ghana so i was invited to sit on a panel at a panel at a sex positive festival in Accra, a first of its kind in that area and definitely not a last. And for details on that, please follow Adventures TV everywhere to see like the unfolding of my time in Accra. Well, some of it at least. And yes, I will have a vlog out at some point next year because I was very keen on making sure that I captured every moment that I was in Accra because to be honest, it was just magical but you all know well if you do watch my videos then you know that editing is like such a challenge for me 2020 i'm going to be doing things differently hopefully i'm going to have a video editor so that i don't have to like leave you guys on the edge with my video content bigger better things needless to say i had the most amazing time while i was in accra i met the finest of the crop and was so honored to talk to some of them both in real time and on this podcast episode so without further ado i present magic Wow! Before we do, I just want to thank you for all the love and the support that you've shown me this year, especially helping me raise money for the kids at Christmas. That was such a success. We raised more money than we wanted to, that we had than we had set out to raise. And I'm just so grateful for you and supporting the work that I do and listening to my podcasts and watching my videos and following at the Spread Podcast on all social media platforms and going on to Apple Podcasts and leaving a review and leaving five stars and let's just make 2020 bigger more successful bigger i feel like if the energy generally changes for everybody around the world then we can actually shift things so we just need to remember to keep being positive to keep being optimistic and to keep like spreading love and prosperity to everybody that we come across and as we cross our annual border that is our new year and i hope to see you on the flip side now let's get into our podcast I have had an absolutely fantastic time at the Adventures Live Festival um, and I just, I'd, I have no words for it, but I do have some documentation, so um, the video 
the po the YouTube video is going to be coming out soon, so please stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, I do have the organizer of the festival seated at the table with us. Nana, please introduce yourself and tell us who you are, what you do, and your fabulousness. Hi, everybody. I feel like I've made it in life because I am on the Spread Podcast. Hashtag facts. <laughs> and I have heard so much about the podcast, and it was just so amazing to meet you. And let me just start by saying a huge thank you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, for coming over all the way from Kenya, for supporting, mm. you know, for putting so much of yourself into this festival, even though we're a broke-ass baby festival. Oh, no. no, no. <laughs> broke-ass baby festivals are actually the best. Yeah. <laughs> True. No, but I really True. feel like I've seen feminist solidarity from you and so many of the speakers. In fact, all of the speakers that came, it was all about solidarity. And so telling you a little bit about myself, where shall I start? Well, in regards to sex and sexuality, I've been writing about sex and sexuality for a decade now. I started a blog called Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women with my friend Malaika Grant in January 2009. And so in our 10th year, we started to think about how do we mark this occasion, but how do we take things to the next level? And usually I've had conversations about sex and sexualities on the sidelines of other events like writers festivals for example and you know i'll be given a slot to speak about sex and sexualities i may be given a small room but my room will always be the most packed and so this year i started to think you know what i'm going to challenge myself i'm going to organize an event and it's not going to be just one our session it's going to be a whole day mm. so that's when i started to reach out to people like yourself and said you know this is the idea i have will you support me and then in Ghana, I reached out to feminists that I knew who were here. So we are actually like a working group of nine people. And is it okay if I name check some of those people? Oh, you must. Yes, because for me, that's also part of my feminist practice. I think it's very easy for me to be the face of things because I talk a lot. <laughs> but there are so many people who are doing all of the hard work. So I want to shout out Caroline and Jirao Kuseman. Fatima Debi, Kobna Graham, Nana Kusia Hansen, Suhaida Tu Dramani, um, Retain Kitia, Fami and Kamsa, who were all on the working group and mm. all played different roles in making this festival a success. And so, yay! I'm yay! excited! <laughs> Thank you. And in the room, we also have. Uh, Nike, all the way from Haiti. Please tell us who you are, what you do, and your fabulousness. Hi, thank you for having Ooh, me here. Oh, is that your radio voice? Oh, really? Shit. Do I have a different voice? Ooh. You have a sexy voice, but you have a sexy Ooh. voice all of the time. Ooh. Oh, yeah. thank you. Also, she has a sexy Ooh. face, she has a sexy body, she, she has a sexy she just attitude. She has sex. She has a sexy <laughs> life. She has, you're just sex. <laughs> I know the floor. <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See me after this. Yes. <laughs> well, um, yes. Thank you for having me, and especially thank you, Nana, for having me here in Ghana, Accra. I'm so honored and uh, really grateful to have been part of decentering uh, the D. So I came here as a panelist to being asked random question by everybody. And uh, answer with my life experience, and not only my life experience, but my feminism, my lens in which I look at things through this ableist perspective, like deconstructing ableist, which is like where my feminism has evolved and 
leave behind all these, uh, you know, I find other isms that to me always go back to really the core, which is ableist. Um, so what do I do? Um, a lot of things other than raising kids, which I think it's like the fundamental part of my life that take a lot of my energy that burns me down and out. And, and also that creates a lot of space for me to choose myself and to tell them, yo, kids, you know what? I need some time out. So it has empowered me tremendously. Having kids, it has taught me to say no. So I think it's the most important part of my life is um, catering to beautiful beings that I love and that uh, taught me to say no because I know I have to choose myself in order to be the best for them. Um, I also have worked a lot uh, in Canada for over 15 years and like more mainstream gender feminism that I find quite boring right now in my <laughs> life. Uh, and I chose to move back to Haiti in December 2016. It's actually exactly three years that I moved Congratulations. back. Congratulations. Thank you. After 19 years in the wow. global north, the best decision of my life, um, which I will not question even in intense situation of lockdown, extreme violence, children spending two months not going to school, I would mm -hmm. do it again. Um, so in Haiti now, I'm working mostly in um, global advocacy to challenge funders, the HIV funders. So mm -hmm. I sit on PEPFAR committee in Washington and I challenge them and I'm a watchdog mm -hmm. for the way that they invest in Haiti. That's what I do with my J-O-B and also um, have um, this way of like investing and in building a movement, a LGBTQ movement in Haiti by providing technical support to local organization and also finding funding for them to grow. So mm. um, I think my shout out would be to Charlo Jeudi, who just got murdered in Haiti, LGBTQ act, uh, activist that got murdered like three weeks ago. So I just want to take a moment to honor him and all his, uh, everything that he has opened for everybody in Haiti, all human rights activists in the world, actually. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. And of course, Francoise in the house. Uh, literally, we are in the house. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I feel like over the last few weeks, uh, we've gotten to know each other um, in a very kind of like organic way, and I really love, love you so much. <laughs> Is it too soon to say? No, I love you too. Oh. <laughs> and uh, she was the one that was singing, actually. So yes, I am going to put that little oh recording on the podcast. <laughs> of course, it's the best <laughs> intro. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so, Francoise, could you tell us a bit about yourself and your work and your fabulousness? Sure, thank you so much for having me. Uh, so I'm Francoise Peglo Mdoute. I'm a Pan-African feminist from Cameroon uh, who also has a, a lot of France in her DNA um, and currently living in Morocco. So I feel like, sometimes I feel like I don't have roots. So most time I feel like I'm a citizen of the world. It depends on the perspective I choose from every day. Um, I'm, a, I'm the founder of a a platform that's called Eyala, uh, in which I interrogate what it means to be uh, to to be an African feminist today. So, what it means to embody our feminist values while also navigating the world as an African woman. Um, so, I do that through c curating conversations, 
among African women and also creating spaces, safe spaces, I want to say sacred spaces of sisterhood and, and conversation. Um, and uh, this is what I do. I split my time between that and doing um, advocacy work for feminist organizations in Africa. And I also spend a lot of time raising two beautiful children whom I love very much. Bless. That's me. Yes, I love <laughs> it. Let's do one more quick round and then maybe just share something personal. Because we've shared a bit about our work. Mm -hmm. So maybe just share something personal. It, we, we, anyone can start. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. For As those who are watching all the look podcast, they're all looking at each other like, <laughs> like <laughs> okay. Okay. What shall we share? I mean, I guess something personal that I'm happy to share is that this year I sort of recognized myself as a polyamorous person as a, opposed to somebody with a tendency to cheat. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Very nice. You know, basically, what you've done is that you've added the, yeah. <laughs> you've added the ethical to the non-monogamy. Yes, yes. So, I mean, yeah, that's been actually really nice and empowering. You know, to be like, actually, this is who I am, and to be able to tell people I meet from the very beginning, this is who I am. Mm. So you can decide whether I'm the kind of person you want to be in a relationship with, and I can also decide whether you're the kind of person. I want to be a, in a relationship with and you know even though i've been blogging about sex and sexuality for 10 years i i find that i am always learning and growing mm. you know i never get tired of i never run out of topics to blog about yeah and i blog a lot based on my personal experiences and i also find that in writing about sex i'm constantly writing as part of how i think and process mm. so i'm constantly like thinking through things through mm. my writing I'm also working on a book project. Yes. Um, yes. My working title is The Sex Lives of African Women. Yes. Yes, my book was acquired by um, Dialogue Books in the UK. What? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> so I'm super excited about that. I'm working with a wonderful black woman publisher called Charmaine Lovegrove, which, is, which feels really special to me as well, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Because this is a book that's for me, I'm writing this book because of African women, because of black women all around the world. So it's nice to have an editor who is also black mm. and gets the politics, mm. you know? Um, and yeah, this book will come out in May 2021. Oh, and my. That's yes. Oh, 21. That's going to be your three of the spread fest. Mm. So you Ooh. have to come and launch it there. Absolutely. Yes. Ooh, yes. I want to do mini launches all over, all mm. over Africa. Mm. Yeah, Perfect. Perfect. Thank you for sharing that. Pleasure. Always. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone? I can share, yes. I, I think for me, I'd love to share that it's been a year of, um, a couple of years of um, unlearning mm -hmm. for me uh, and transforming and going deeper and asking a lot of questions. So I feel like I'm uh, sometimes <clears throat> feeling very vulnerable about things that... Um, that have stemmed from my exploring feminism and the politics um, behind all the policies that I've been working on and, and what does that mean for my own life. <clears throat> so I remember Nana, you, you did a video somewhere where you, where you were saying, I'm a feminist in my kitchen, in my bedroom. I'm learning mm -hmm. that and I'm learning the beauty and the challenges of that. And uh, I love that we're having this conversation because one of the biggest challenges of that is a, a around sexuality mm. um so yeah 
Okay, now I'm ready. <laughs> because I feel like it's complimentary and you're opening a gate for me that I'll be happy to explore. I feel like, for me, um, what you were saying about the politics of, um, of intimacy, mm-hmm. um, it's always been something that always resonated for me, like almost like water, to the point like I often would feel misunderstood by people in my intimacy, almost like, I don't think with my head, but I think with my heart a bit mm-hmm. too much, um, which I know the too much seems like a judgment. So I, I, I feel like I'm constantly, as someone I'm approaching my 40s, um, that's navigating, not that it means much to me because I'm very much a child. I'm just a very mature ch- child. Um, but yet again, I have a responsibility. I have teenagers, you know, that I'm raising. I have... Um, things that I'm building and everything, and yet this constant, I think, I would say, struggle between listening to my heart and how that makes people in my intimacy feel like maybe I'm a little too free or, or at the same time, like, fascinating or fascinated by my freedom. I've been, like, it's something that I think um, is kind of coming into my consciousness. So it's leaving my heart and it's getting in my brain lately. And I I have to say that I'm a little bit struggling to make sense of it and how I want to, I want to be perceived by people that I love and I want to be loved by people that I love because people that I love love me. Yet again, uh, I can I can be a lot to love, so <laughs> that, that's what I'm saying. I understand that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. We're gonna jump into these questions, which I have sort of created for you guys. I was gonna do like five question quick fire thing, but then upon um, creating these questions, I f- I thought, oh, this well, this would be nice. Also, this would be nice. So <laughs> also, you can can I say something? Yes. Like spontaneously, you can say whatever be, like, you want. Okay. So the people that are uh, all the people listening to us, some once in a while you can be hearing some random noises because I'm the one putting the the wine in in the glasses. So I'll just <laughs> putting it out there so I don't need to feel self conscious about the sound. Okay. Our bartender has spoken. <laughs> can I please have some wine now? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, first question, um, and anyone can answer first. But what would you say has been your greatest inspiration in your? Actually, who would you say has been your greatest inspiration in your line of work? And why? Audrey Lord. Although I never met her. Um, There's people who don't know who Audrey Lord is. Yes, uh, um, Afrofeminist writer from the states, uh, coming from. Um, black feminism and uh, um, like intersec- bringing, you know, living, although intersectionality has become like so much uh, theoretical, but at the time, who brought in so much insight and just opened so much possibilities for me as a black woman uh, living in the global north. Um, it's a writer that really influenced me very much and uh, um, taught me the unapologetically, the unapologetic self love and centering and choosing the oneself. I'll think about living people, but that's like someone that's not part of the living that has oh, influence. Oh, that's, that's fine, that's yeah. fine, that works, yeah. Oh, thank you. I mean, I think I have several sources of inspiration, but definitely I have found African-American feminist inspirational, especially when I started to read more about black feminisms. 
Um, so people like Bell Hooks were a huge mm-hmm. influence on me. And Bell Hooks are somebody who I still really admire just because I felt like she wrote about concepts and theories mm-hmm. in a way that was easy to grasp. Mm-hmm. And I first read her work when I was 19. I just moved to the UK to study as a student. And so I felt confronted with you know race, class, gender, sexuality in a way that mm-hmm. I hadn't really been aware of before. And she helped me to sort of understand those issues. And then also Maya Angelou, mm-hmm. whose book I discovered because I was looking in the black books <laughs> section of a bookshop. And I saw her book, All Girls, Children Need Traveling Shoes, which was really about her stay in Ghana. Mm-hmm. So I was just super excited to see there was a book about Ghana. <laughs> Got that book, read it, mm-hmm. loved it, and then started to read every single Maya Angelou mm-hmm. book I could find. You know, And around the same period of time, I was reading a lot of Amatedu mm-hmm. because I was looking for African feminist thinkers and writers and her novels really just showed me African feminism like mm-hmm. in a creative way. Yeah. You know, so those are sort of my early influences from when I was nineteen and I would say those are still my influences. I've been lucky enough to meet Amatedu several times in Ghana to interview Look at her. You. Wow. And she's just amazing, mm-hmm. you know. She's just amazing. But also a lot of my contemporaries actually influenced mm-hmm. me. You know, including mm. Hakima Bass, who I work with. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, my friends. Yeah. You know, some of my friends are, like, my biggest influences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Really too many to mention, but I admire different aspects of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, I'd like say it. the same, actually, yeah. When I look around, I feel so lucky to have feminist sisters, African feminist sisters. Mm. Not, ma- not many of them are actually friends, but, I, but we have a sisterly relationship. And I sometimes realize I feel so close to many of them, but I don't know anything about their personal life because we're not close friends. But the sisterhood for me transcends like the day-to-day mm-hmm. of friendship. So many of them, I'm thinking about Flavia uh, from Kenya or Nebila, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, who's a fantastic writer from Ethiopia and many others. But I would say my greatest inspiration is actually a young woman a young girl, actually, whose name I cannot remember, mm-hmm. uh, I'm afraid, um, whom I met on my first trip to Ethiopia when I was uh, working on ending child marriage. And we are having, we're meeting young uh, married girls um, in Ethiopia. And, and there was this young girl who was, she said she was 30, but she wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she had a three-year-old child sitting next to her and she was breastfeeding another baby and I remember them thinking I've read so many reports that tell us about the 12 million girls who are getting married every day but it's not the same when you meet them mm. and I've never forgotten her face I've never forgotten her sadness and and that inspires me every day to remember that we write reports and strategies mm-hmm. and we sometimes write things and think, oh, I have to finish this deadline. Um, but what, what we're talking about is people's lives mm-hmm. and people's suffering. And I will never forget that. And mm-hmm. I will never not let this uh, be my inspiration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oof. That's beautiful. You should write that <laughs> down. <laughs> I want to add one more, um, a writer too that I met quite recently. Although it's like a old writer, I think she's from the sixties. It's Maria Maba. Mm. Um, 
um, that I read in Silon Glet really recently. It's an old book. And, and the way that it's interesting what you're saying, but the way that she's uh, painting, because at this point it's no longer word, it's just like drawing. Uh, she's painting the, the reality of millions of women. And it just did something to me in a way that, you know, beyond like the privilege of like having the choice to even love women or even the choice to even think that I have the choice to love anybody. There's like the woman, what is what the woman has to go through, like the hatred that um, the world carry on, on the woman in so many, in everywhere. And, um, and she really embodied that in a way that, you know, re resonated with like my grandmother and my ancestors and, and not taking for granted that it's not because we're somewhere that it doesn't, doesn't mean that we might not lose the rights that we've acquired mm -hmm. for like the ones coming. Mm. Mm -hmm. hmm. And you guys actually answered a question that I had kind of, because I was going to ask who your favorite author is. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel, so d does that change? <laughs> it's so I hard. Hard. No, for me, I think it changes actually. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite authors is Edwidge Danticat. Yeah, I love her. I love Edward Dantikat. Mm. Everything she's written just like moves me to the soul. And I think she's actually my favorite writer. Mm. Yeah. Let me just stop with Edward Dantikat. Okay. Yes. Okay. Before you start to think and I know, spiral right? into some wormhole. Yes. Do you have a favorite Edward Dantikat book? It will probably be Create Dangerously, which is a nonfiction mm. book. I really love nonfiction. Mm -hmm. I also consider myself a nonfiction writer. Mm. Um, even the title says it all. Yeah. Mm. You know, to create, to be an activist. Sometimes they live in life on the edge. Yeah. You know, you have to be bold, you have to speak your truth. And a lot of that's about creating dangerously. Mm. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. You know, safety won't protect us. We yeah. think our safety will protect us, our safety mm -hmm. will protect yeah. us. You know, none of us are safe really. Yeah. It's an illusion. Yeah, it is mm -hmm. an illusion. So yeah, create dangerously speaks to me. But also the famine of bones. Oh like really sort of touched my heart because it was really about the conflict mm -hmm. between Haiti mm -hmm. and the Dominican Republic. And this was not an issue that I knew anything about. And I think mm -hmm. that's one of the things I love about writers like Edward Danticat who weave history into their into fiction. Into their fiction. Mm -hmm. It's yes. fascinating. You get to learn so much more about the issue mm -hmm. than maybe, if you, maybe I would have never read that mm -hmm. story, right? But mm -hmm. in reading it in fiction, I'm inspired to learn more and yeah, just understand a little bit more about a part of the world that I don't know so much mm -hmm. about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you have a favorite author? Or you I just don't. refuse to, to answer. I cannot <laughs> have a favorite. I love Edwidge <laughs> Dantica, yeah. but I probably would not have even thought of her <laughs> out of my head. Mm. I really love Breath, Eyes, and Memory. It's a fascinating book, mm -hmm. but I know it changes so much. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing that I, I do, um, the women that I meet that really fascinate me, oftentimes at one point I would ask them to send me the top 10 hmm, books they read. And then I go and read these books. Mm -hmm. So oh, it means I'm always yeah. falling in love with yeah. new authors because yeah. mm -hmm. there's always really like, 
yeah. really fascinating women telling me what they're reading. Mm-hmm. So I just got like the a couple of uh, titles from a friend of mine, Larissa Lola, that I talked to you about, and she's just like such a lover of like black feminism and fiction and I love fiction mm. so I feel like I'm gonna have a couple of favorites coming up until I ask <laughs> Nana and Kaz yeah. and Francoise they're like top three five ten and yeah. it's gonna change no yeah. I don't have a favorite yeah mm. to you I have a favorite these days, but I know <laughs> it, it might not be <laughs> the same. At the moment, I'm fascinated by, um, I'm going to try and say her name right, Ijeoma Umebino, who was a poet from Nigeria, mm-hmm. who wrote uh, Questions for Ada. Uh, I don't really, I wouldn't say I read a lot of poetry. I don't. Mm-hmm. I used to think I didn't like it. And then I read her her poetry, and I don't know how to explain it. Uh, she became an instant favorite. <laughs> yeah. Um, because she writes about African women f- from a voice I've never read, and I do read a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so, but I, I don't I don't know if I can. I think there's just too many fabulous authors out there. It's not fair to pick a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have to some of them. I hope when my book comes out, you guys will say I'm your favorite. Yeah. You're just yes. saying. <laughs> yes. I'm yeah. word, this can be negotiated. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wanted to document it. No, I want to document it for the record. Um, so with all the work that we each do individually, it can be very taxing, emotionally, physically, burnout. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, if you could choose to do anything for one day, what would you do? Like anything at all? Absolutely. <laughs> anything in the world, you have one day to do it. What would you do? Wow. Oh, come on. <laughs> okay, I'll go. <laughs> like... Who cares? What the fuck? I'll go. Like, I would flirt just all day long. Really? Yeah. I would just go and just be in a room with the most talented, inspirational, beautiful black women and just flirt with every single one of them with no consequences. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Because I I don't see the difference between then and and now. Nike's vision is also her reality. Yeah, exactly. And so but believe it or not, I'm holding back. <laughs> I think what I would do is all those people that Nike wants to flirt with, I'll invite to dinner. And you know, we'll all have a great time chatting and then I'll see all of the energy and sexual tension in the room, which I find really exciting. You're such mm-hmm. a boy. And I'll just watch oh. Nike and I'll just watch <laughs> Nike do her thing. I'm Sorry, and then you would do what? I'll just watch Nike do her thing. Why you? And that'll make me very happy. <laughs> okay, okay. I think I, Francoise, I, no children. No. It's just you. Know you. What? I would just be alone huh. in for an entire day. A whole day, 24 hours. Yes, I would be alone mm-hmm. with a great book, a journal, some music. Mm. 
And, and that would be womanizer I just got. Ah! <laughs> I just like, you know, like, you know, be fully mm-hmm. alone without... One of the things I've learned about myself, which I never thought before, uh, is that I, I'm not sure I'm an introvert, but I, I've never thought I valued so much the, cap- the ability, so the space actually, to sink back into myself mm-hmm. and really... Because I've been somebody who's run, like I've been running my entire life, either because I was asked to perform and I was performing, or I had a lot to do and I was doing this, or then I had responsibilities and I was taking care of those. Mm. And I've recently discovered the needs and then the power and then the beauty of being alone with no consequences Mm -hmm. and no interruptions, Mm -hmm. actual Mm -hmm. or expected. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And I would love to be in a beautiful place. Um, Yeah, I actually do it once a year, actually. It's it's become a practice for me. Is it like a birthday thing? It's actually end of year thing that I do. Not doing it this year because I chose to be here. Yeah, (laughs) good choice. uh, Yes, but uh, I love it. It's become an end of year practice of taking one week alone mm. and the most that's how I, dis- I discovered I had creativity in me mm-hmm. just by meeting myself and listening to myself mm. so yeah. I have a question there's, there's power yeah you don't think it's possible to maybe have access to it every nine weeks I'm not saying once a month every nine weeks I think actually it could be possible to even do it every week mm. I just haven't mastered I th- what I haven't mastered is um, the, the, the skill to cut off the noise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of my noise, actually, I'm very privileged that most of my opposition comes from inside. I don't have people mm-hmm. coming from me, actually. But I'm very difficult. Like, I'm very. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I do a lot of uh, self inflicted. Uh, I'm very demanding with myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. Uh, so feeling that I've done everything I need to do to f- be in a space where I deserve that time, mm. it's hard for me still. So I think, yes, it is possible. I'm not there yet. So uh, when I get there, I will enjoy it so much. <laughs> but for now, I have to make it happen. I have to schedule it. Uh, yeah. But I think it's really good that you even have this as a practice. Lots of people yeah. don't take time out to like care mm. for themselves. And yeah. you're doing this so even once a year. Yeah. I think it's a great start. Thank you know. You. Yes. Yeah, I think so too. Think so Good too. for you. Thanks. Snap, snap. What would you say has been your proudest accomplishment in your life thus far? I mean, I actually feel like Adventures is my proudest accomplishment, to be honest. You know, it feels amazing to know that a platform I created over 10 years ago is still relevant. Even yesterday at the event, this young woman was introduced to me because, you know, she had said to her friend, like, she's such a huge fan, and she said, you know, adventures had made such a difference in her life. And to be honest, this is a comment I hear a lot of the time. Mm. You know, young women especially come up to me and say, you know, there wasn't anybody I could speak to about sex or sexuality. I discovered the blog. All the answers were there. I could ask questions, be answered, read insights. And so I do think of adventures as my proudest achievement, mm. yeah, without a doubt. Mm. For me, I would say it's my children. Uh, <laughs> the fact that they're alive. <laughs> do, you, do you water them every day? Uh, they're, 
they are blossoming. Uh, and I think even more now that uh, they know they're not babies anymore. So I can see what kind of people they are. That they have compassion, they have love, um, they have brain, yeah. and they have beauty. And that gives me a lot of joy. Um, I have done many other things that bring me uh, pride and joy, but I think my kids, uh, they really do it in a way that really gets under my skin. Because mm. I know, uh, I call it pride, but I don't know how much I have to do with it. Um, mm. And also that's not the pride that I, I hold with a lot of uh, certainty, but it is the one that really I do feel with my heart rather than like conceptualize with my brain. So mm. I would say that, yeah. Um, me, the my greatest accomplishment is to have been able to meet my mother where she's at before she died and to have become her best friend and the person that she knew was there for her in the journey through cancer, the last year of her life. I spent most of my life fighting with my mother, being a difficult child, being too free, being, I don't know, many things. And it was always extremely difficult. Um, at some points, I didn't think we could ever have ma made it there. And one thing that she said to me one time that we went through um, treatment together and after that she fell asleep and then I was like walking with her and everything and then she just stopped me in the middle of nowhere and she looked at me and she's like, I can't believe we lost so much time. Mm. <laughs> and uh, I, I, it was just so precious how everything just like opened up so much love and s like from someone that I was experiencing so much adversity. <laughs> so that's my biggest accomplishment that like the divine has given me this opportunity to meet this beautiful person and uh, enjoy all of her beauty right at the end. Mm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm. Mm. I'm very grateful and very blessed. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Thanks for sharing that. What's the one thing that you hate about your job? <laughs> I mean, I still want to keep earning a salary. <laughs> Can you really say it, Tana? Yes. Hopefully, nobody will hear. No, you know, Charlie, this day and age of the internet. First of all, can I please just say I have the biggest uh, sex positive podcast on the African continent? Yes. So, Ooh, everybody, yes. well, yeah. Sex so, whatever you're saying is <laughs> <It's> going. <laughs> I know what I can say, which is which is the truth. <laughs> I work for a really no, great organization. <laughs> no, it's true. Mm. Called AWED, which stands for the Association for Women's Rights and Development. And I think the thing I hate about my job is that we work so hard. We are, we take so much on, and we want to do everything perfectly. You know. Um, we describe ourselves as a movement support organization. And so we do not want to let down movements, which means mm. we really push ourselves. At the same time, we say to ourselves that self-care is important, collective well-being is important. And we try and practice it, but you know, if it comes between doing the work and sacrificing the self-care individually, even if the organization says, no, the well-being is, impo is important, mm. on an individual basis, there's still a tendency for us to push ourselves. Mm. You know, so I think, 
and I think this is not unique to AWID. I think it's a challenge that basically social justice. yes yeah. people in the social justice yeah. sector face mm-hmm. yeah. we do this work because we are passionate about the work mm-hmm. you know uh, we know that you know what's the point of the revolution if you can't dance mm-hmm. but you know if it comes to dancing and it comes to working we choose working mm-hmm. so i think it's what i hate not so much about my specific job but about the activist movement mm-hmm. that it is hard for us also because we are underfunded under-resourced to take space and time and also because the issues we're dealing with are so pressing that it really feels like we can't allow ourselves the space and time right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. people's lives are to risk you you spoke about the activist who passed recently in Mm -hmm. haiti yeah you know when you have that kind of job how do you take time to dance you Mm -hmm. know you hear people have died you know people's lives are at risk you want to give them support you want to raise awareness of the issues that's facing them it makes it really hard to take a break, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know? I mean, I'm thinking now of an article that I need to write, which will spotlight how feminists from Rojava are really under threat right now, right? Because in Rojava, they had a very successful women's revolution mm-hmm. where, you know, they basically had a really for, uh, an egalitarian form of leadership, 50% women, 50% men, really a feminist example but they're being bombed by turkey you know and i interviewed somebody weeks ago and i'm still sitting on that interview because i haven't had the space and time to write it and i feel terrible you know but i also know i can't write now when i have so many things on my mind things to do invoices to process the basic admin of my job to do and I also know I need to take a Christmas break. I'm going to go on break, but this is going to be sitting mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing I hate about the job. And hate is probably not the right word, right? Yeah. But I guess it's the thing that's difficult that I grapple with. It's also about sometimes saying, yes, these issues exist and they will continue to exist. And sometimes you still just need to tune out for like two or three weeks, yeah. which is what I plan to do regardless. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. Um. I can go that next. makes the same. That makes a lot of sense. It makes yeah. sense yeah. It resonates definitely. Yeah. Um, it, it, to me, um, I, I'm, I'm the country director for um, Housing Works, which is the biggest HIV slash LGBTQ rights defender in the United States. And they have an office of global advocacy, which I fall under. So they are in Haiti and Puerto Rico, out of global advocacy and also in um, Kiev, um, Zambia, and somewhere else that I don't remember. But the thing to me, not so much what you've expressed, Anna, it's because it is such an organization that has gone through a lot of anti-oppression work and anti-oppressive um, consultancies and have switched a lot of their practices that I actually feel extremely valued. And my time, and I uh, there's like a lot of privilege to this job. But what I would say that I hate the most about my work is the respectability politics that I have to play. I have to go to the American Embassy all the time. I have to go to PEPFAR in Washington and in Johannesburg at the COP meetings. And then I have to put on my heels and my lipstick. And then I have to talk to like, you know, mm. whatever. Mm. And which to me, it's not necessarily where my heart is. I come from, um, I mean, when I was in Montreal, I used to mostly create 
um, you know, guides on how to facilitate, you know, health-based workshop for girls in like, you know, the native communities. It was like so hands-on, mm. um, based on the ground and everything. But the good thing, wh- where it compensates is like, I get also the other side of the job is like, the, the strengthening of the um, LGBTQ and also keep up, not just LGBTQ, but sex workers and trans, transgender women's um, um, organizations, that keeps me on the ground. But that's what takes the least of my job because that's what my, <laughs> my community coordinator and advocacy mm. specialist does that I supervise. So I'm expected more into doing the whole lot of like respectability politics work, mm. which is not necessarily where my who my spirit is, you know. I'm, I, I, I think I can perform it mm-hmm. because, you know, I speak proper French and I like <laughs> can look proper and mm. whatever. But I find that it just takes too much of my time. Mm. That it's not that funny anymore. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm not very much of a performer. I think we're all performers. Mm. I think human beings mm-hmm. we perform. And life is a big theater. And uh, there's like a lot of f- like fun into like choosing where your performance starts and when you're backstage and which percentage of your backstage is where you take off your makeup is Mm. and i'm a backstage worker (laughs) you know i'm not necessarily uh i think i can perform very well but like if it's a 10 percent, let me have that 10 percent, and i will fly that 10 percent, and give me the 90 percent of the backstage i just find that i spend too much time on the front stage and not enough in the backstage mm. because I'm very good at the backstage. I mm. will make people on stage look really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that I think that's what I dislike the most. Yeah, it just really resonates uh, <laughs> with my former job actually. Um, uh, when I was working at Girls Not Brides, a lot of what I found difficult was uh, the politics, and I think one of the key moments for me that helped me decide to leave that job is. I was I was in a meeting uh, where we had to make a decision on the whether we should do something or not, and I was representing an organization that I decided that we should do something. I thought we should stop doing, and mm-hmm. I had to defend that position, which I disagreed. I it left a scar. <laughs> it opened a scar in my soul, mm-hmm. and I just knew that at that point it was time for me to move on. Um, and now that I I work at a as a freelance consultant working with NGOs and I don't have to deal with the politics long enough. You know, I, I quite like that. What I don't like, um, especially around um, being more vocal, um, uh, especially online, I really don't like having to re- respond to the same questions mm. all the time about feminism yeah. from people who <laughs> really should check Wikipedia out <laughs> before they tweet. Yeah. So I do not like also going to spaces where there's always either somebody who's going to ask us if our feminism supporting trans women, mm-hmm. does that mean that we are, our feminism is um, influenced by Western values? Oh. Or if we, don't, if we don't fear that we're going to go to hell? Or if we, my favorite, what about the boy child? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I can't. So I think, I think for me, oh I'm, be, I'm getting so impatient. And I think because I don't have to do the politics anymore, yeah. it's really hard for me to remain polite. <laughs> I'm learning I that skill. 
be polite. <laughs> oh my god. And also being fine with your politeness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if I if I had to answer that question, I do. I get a lot of like questions of, uh, like that are Googleable, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which is so bitch. annoying. Yeah. <laughs> or just like I, it's so tiring. I think one of my most one of the hardest things in my line of work is is because I create online content. I have a lot of people. Um, it's, I feel like it's just a lot more reachable. Uh-huh. It's at everybody's fingertips. She ca- here's Kaz, send her an inbox. DM her, DM her, DM her. So it's oh, quite, ti- it's quite tiring. <laughs> but like people, people have found solace in in my podcasts and yeah. in my content. So they they're just like, oh my god, yes, Kaz will have the answer to this. So it burns when I pee. What should I do? Mm-hmm. Go see a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> But actually, the hardest part, more than anything, is is just how emotionally taxing it is because people do come with really, really, really heavy things. Yeah. 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 And I, and there's times when I'm just like, oh, I don't have the space <laughs> to answer this question. I really don't. And a lot of the time, I don't know how to respond and say that I don't have the space. But I've been working yeah. up the 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 grace and courage mm-hmm. to be able to respond in that way mm. and. I sometimes have very blanket answers because I'll, I'm like, I go on social media and I'm like, I'm taking two weeks off. The answer to all of your questions is see a sex therapist. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. No, I really love that. Uh, because actually people need to make more use of professionals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People really need to make more oh use of gosh, professionals. Oh my gosh, not just Let use, me te- but like, um, support honor respect the, the work them yeah i was at a bridal shower um i sometimes host these bridal showers where i'll go and do like sex talks and blah 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 and um recently i was at one and this lady um decided she wanted to walk me back to my car and like and then she started ask she's she started not even it, it wasn't an ooh moment <laughs> Back to your car. So I can ask you a five minute question. Yeah, I'm sorry, baby. I would walk. If I'm walking you back to your car, girl, if if you would not be walking me back to the car, you'd be taking me home. Please, let's get that shit raised. (laughs) On the floor. On the floor. So she. started to tell me about a personal experience of hers and blah 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 and she went on and on and I was it's finding it so hard because I was really trying to go home it was two o'clock in the morning I was tired um and and I'm I am an extreme introvert contrary to popular belief mm-hmm. I'm I can such see. an introvert no, I can believe that as well. yeah mm-hmm. I'm glad you yeah. do um and so I'm really trying to get back home because I've sucked in all the energy of all these people in the room and I just need to go and recharge and you know she's constantly just like I need to do this and please just tell me what I should do tell me what I should do blah 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 and then um, and I say to her as I finally close the door (laughs) almost winding up my window (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm like you should because she said uh, she said I would love to see you Um, she said I would love to have uh, like a one-on-one session with you she said something like this but one-on-one I said no no because that's not what I do for a living I say go see a therapist a, a sex therapist would be able to help you or a therapist would be able and she goes no do you think I'm crazy <gasps> what? and then I said no 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 don't don't misunderstand the work of a therapist the thing that you're asking me to do is the job of a therapist it's talking to somebody and allowing them to give you the advice but no she's like no i would never i could never and i was like no Mm -hmm. she she was gonna pay 
She was not. She didn't want to come for free. She wanted to pay, but I'm just like, it's not my job. Yeah. I'm not gonna accept money yeah. that I know doesn't belong to me, yeah. and I'm not gonna be one of those unethical people. Right. Yeah. That, like, because there's a lot of people in Kenya who would be eager to take that money, yeah. Yeah. and I'm not gonna be one of those people. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just like, I I do offer advice. Um, I do have a platform where I offer advice and under you know, and I, I tell people that it's my opinion. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, my opinion is valid is valid, and my opinion is valued by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But that's all it is, an opinion. Yeah. I mean, if you do need any more, like if you need more advice, don't don't ask me. Like, honestly, just go see a therapist. So, I mean, that, that's probably one of the things that's hardest for me is just like taking on the responsibility, I think, that I that I Wait, didn't did see coming. It? It's, it's the misunderstanding because I know there's so much stigma on around I, therapy. I cannot talk for communi- like countries or communities or even in Haiti. I cannot talk for all Haiti, but I know definitely in Port-au-Prince and some part of the West in Haiti, there's so much stigma attached to mental health and mental well-being and and mental illness and and all of the you know spectrum of mental health yeah. that people just like it's almost like it, it's just so far in in mm. in the consciousness yeah you know you're either crazy or you're sane yeah. it's like there's nothing gray yeah. or texturized or yeah. anything yeah. or yeah. even just like on a personal spiritual level and a journey like sometimes we having like a mirror reflection that is professional that actually studied professionally the kind of question that we probably hide from ourselves but that we want to it's just a, a, a conversation with the self it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that there's men- deep medication or yeah. medicalized yeah. mental illness and but like it's it's unfortunate like a lot of like i think a lot of countries in the global yeah, south struggle with absolutely that. yeah i think for me it's like a lot of it for me is coming from the fact that people see therapy as curative mm-hmm. when in my experience a lot of it is i read so i listened to this podcast called um, jesus and jollof oh i like that uh, i really like jesus, it. And and jollof. jesus and jollof it's mm-hmm. hilarious and it's mm-hmm. also very smart mm. um mm. and one of the things that they were saying lovey and even Ochi. Where they had this episode on, on therapy, they said it's like cardio for your mind. The way you exercise, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's the same. And I thought it was very smart way, smartly put, because mm. that's where that's my experience of it. It's like just having that space that for introspection. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be sick to do that. <laughs> it's actually that's how you get healthy. <laughs> so mm. yeah, yeah. I think that's a, a huge misconception. Definitely agree. Yeah. This is the last question. Mm-hmm. This is the, the last question, but we do we're gonna do one exercise before we go. Uh-oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your greatest fear? I have to say I'm not really a fearful person. Because when you said what's your greatest fear? That's so sexy. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually let, let me say that again. Oh, is it now? <laughs> don't think I have a lot of fear, to be honest. You know, I think I get anxious about things. If mm. I have something to do, I'm thinking about it constantly. I like to do things so I can take them off my box, my, you know, my list and stop thinking about it. But I'm really not fearful because I, I've also recognized that sometimes the things I thought I should be scared of, 
didn't come true. Mm. And so I feel like a lot of our fears are actually unrealized. So when I first had the idea of adventures, I thought, oh my God, pastors are going to preach about me and nobody's paying any attention to me. <laughs> you know? And really, the, also the people who pay attention to me in a negative way, I don't care about. So mm. I was actually realized there's no point fearing anything. Like I literally, I don't fear anything. I don't fear losing my job. If I lose my job, I'll find another one. <laughs> Maybe if there's anything I fear, it's losing my parents, you know, but even that's not a fear per se because I know that will happen one day. But what it makes yeah. me want to, what it makes me do, is treasure the time I have with them, and right. it makes me make an effort to spend quality time with them because I know they're not going to be around forever. Yeah. But I don't operate from a place of fear. Yeah. To be honest, mm. I really don't. I am so fascinated by what you're saying because I am. I have so much. Fear. I have a lot of fear. I have so much fear. I've been working through a lot of my fear in the past year. <laughs> and I think I have less fear, but I still have a lot of fear. Um, and but I think my biggest fear is to fail yes. my children, not to lose them, but to fail them. Um, mm. For me, it's the biggest fear mm. um, to to just be less than the mother they deserve. You know, in many ways. Uh, yeah, that oh, follow up. Does this follow have anything up. to do with your relationship with your parents? No, I have great parents. Mm. Uh, not perfect, but fantastic parents. Mm. Very loving. I do find what I fear. I would say is uh, uh, that I am not able to be either fully present for my children uh, or. Uh, vigilant enough so I think mm. I mean a lot of uh, I mean as part of the festival of Kina was saying yes. parents parent from a place of fear and I was like ah man sister <laughs> you have spoken my soul in your microphone <laughs> <laughs> it is so true it is so true mm-hmm. for me uh, to to fail to equip them with what they need to make wise, wise decisions and and to be fully themselves, but also to fail to be vigilant and uh, for them to to have accidents or lose their life in ways that could be prevented. Mm. You know, and I think there's just feels like I, I'm trying not to communicate that fear. I, I think mm. that the only thing I can do about this fear is go to my therapist and try not to communicate it. Mm. So, for example, I have, a, I have a huge fear of water and children. But I do take my kids to the sea and try not to show them I'm shaking. Mm. But I still do it because wow. I don't want to communicate that. Yeah. It's really hard. Uh, mm-hmm. But I just feel like the one thing I do not want to communicate to my kids is that fear. Yeah. I probably do. Yeah. <laughs> but not in all of way, it at least. <laughs> so yeah, that would be this. That's what I would say. Yeah. I, I, I will take it from there. I, it resonates. I have a lot of fear. And then it's like what we were talking earlier that I don't remember about something that comes and goes. Oh, yeah, the love of certain authors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fear. It comes and goes on different topics. So at one point, I was afraid of dying. It, it didn't last that long. Mm-hmm. It lasted maybe, <coughs> I would say, a good 18 months, but it was intense. Mm. And I was like, hey, Nike, what the fuck is happening to you? Where was this coming from? You were mortals. You die, you die. And I would say that. I still have a little bit of that fear of dying because I love living so much. 
Um, but it's not as intense. That was way before. That was way before. That was way before. It was, it came out of nowhere. Maybe it came out of something that I cannot identify. And it left. It didn't leave completely. I still have a little bit of fear dying. It's not. I would say it's a fear anymore. It's just like I don't want to die. Or like. I want to mm. die one day, but not now. <laughs> and yeah. I've always, and I don't know, I, I love to be daring and talk about things that I feel like maybe you shouldn't say. But I always feel like I would die so young that I'm so glad I made it this far. Mm. And it's like, I, I don't know where it's coming from, you know, this, this certitude that I'm way too intense and passionate to live old <laughs> so it's like it's almost 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 there mm. <laughs> and I think almost every day I think about it and at the same thing it's at the same time it's beautiful because it keeps me grounded yeah. it's like you and Nike you know today might be the last one just right. like take it easy it's not that important be kind. Yeah. <laughs> it mm. just makes me a better human being. That too, Nana. It just makes me really better in a way that's like, don't take that shit for granted. Mm. Mm. But like, I hope I made it, make it to 100 years, but I wouldn't be surprised if I die tomorrow. Like, I've always, like, I don't just don't take it for granted mm. at all. You know, and it's always been extremely present ever since I was a little girl. I'm talking like eight year old, seven year old, it's been there. Like I'm I didn't think I would make it past fifteen and I didn't think I would make it past twenty two. And you know, and it's been really interesting. And now it's like I've just made it really beautifully. Mm. Like I find that I've lived gorgeously yeah. so far. And maybe it is just like an awareness of like not being mortal and not taking it for granted. The other thing that I would say that I fear is not to be understood by the people that I love. People in my intimacy, mm. not fully understanding that I'm complex and I'm changing and I'm plural and I'm broad and I can also be committed and I can be reliable. <laughs> and I think that's my other greatest fear. Mm. Yeah. As for my kids, I think they're going to be just fine. fine. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be just oh, fine. I love mm. that. You ask really good questions, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like you've taken us to like deep places, fun places. Yeah. Places that's made us laugh, places that's made us think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you've asked lots of questions that nobody's ever asked me, right? Nobody's mm. ever asked me, for example, what do you hate about your job? <laughs> if I get the sack, I'm coming to you for <laughs> The spread is always hiring. <laughs> We're in the same line of work, so I'm sure we can find something for you to do, even if it's cleaning the toilet. I'm not good at cleaning toilets. I'm good at cleaning other things. The things that sit on toilets. <laughs> I'm trying to look for. I'm try. I want us to do. Um, a little there's a little segment that I have on the spread called your questions answered so I'm really looking for a question that is from a fan and then we can sort of just like hash it out okay. it's a common question that comes from a lot of women but I think it would be fun to sort of like go over it um, hi my name is Kudzai 
from Zim. <clears throat> I have a problem. Like many women, I've never experienced the ever so coveted and desired orgasm. I've Googled and searched and tried the recommended solutions, but so far nothing. <laughs> My boyfriend is threatening to leave me because of it. What should I do? Threatening to leave me because she's not coming. Is he coming? <laughs> I don't understand. I'm sure he is. She needs to leave him. Thank you. <laughs> that was my first. The first Take one of my ownership answers. of your orgasm. <laughs> she needs to leave him. And if she can, she needs to buy a vibrator called the Womanizer, mm-hmm. which I think is like one of the best vibrators ever. Which is a womanizer? So the womanizer has got the <laughs> suction feature, right? Mm. So it's kind of like round. It's like, like it's the purple one. It's all the same, yeah. It's just, it's that one. It's yeah. I don't know. The little Maybe suction yeah. one or the big no. suction one. No, it's got like a round circular thing. Basically, yeah, and this round circular thing sits on your clit. Yes. And it sucks it within 30 seconds. <laughs> you discover your boyfriend no longer needs. You no longer need your boyfriend in your boyfriend. <laughs> Especially the kind of boyfriend who says he's going to leave you because you you're can't not orgasm. Because yeah. you're, you're honest enough to be not be faking it for him. Yeah. First of all, we should give her props for that, for telling, for being honest about the fact that she's not coming. True. Yeah. True, true, true. I love that. And I want to say something about that, that, the faking thing. It's like the amount of emotional labor that women put behind the faking to make Too someone much. feel good about themselves. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with the person faking. Yeah. It's all about soothing the random whatever ego of someone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, props to you for not putting on that emotional yeah. 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 And then he has the nerve like, to threaten you to leave. Yes, no. leave him first. Saying? Let me show you the door. Yeah. <laughs> Let me show you Absolutely. the door. <laughs> In fact, she not only needs to show him the door, but she needs to get a broom and sweep after him. <laughs> <laughs> And sage and the sage. building. No, seriously, I agree. Dump the, the boyfriend and get the womanizer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, uh, also like, also with a lot of heterosexual sex, men think that um, that the woman is going to have an orgasm through penetrative sex, and I mean. Uh, over over 70% of women cannot orgasm from penetrative sex mm-hmm. is the first thing that you need to be telling them i feel normal for the first time of my life <laughs> <laughs> right Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Over 70% of women can ha- can orgasm through penetrative or, sex. They put this on stickers. We put this on flyers that go in men's cars. Yeah, to let they them know. Your thing. dick <laughs> in my <laughs> pussy <laughs> is not going to make me come. Oh my God, I have to tell you, I fucked this guy one time in New York. <laughs> <laughs> I love a story that's not like this. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the sex was actually really good, but I didn't come. Mm. And... Uh, also, for me, I must say that orgasms aren't the come all and end all, no pun intended, but like it was really good sex. And then he asked, he, does, he asked, he was just Why like, Why do people ask? <laughs> <laughs> because first of all, if you have to ask, then there's a problem. Yeah. Should, because you know usually when somebody's yeah. come, right? Yeah. Even if they come quietly, you know. Yeah, yeah no, no, you don't always know. But then he asked, I, he asked, know. you don't always know. People come differently. Yeah, there'll be something, there'll be a slight Maybe shower, you're, maybe you're ca- busy coming, you don't feel somebody else, you know what I mean? Anyway. <laughs> That's not the oh, point. That's not okay. the point. The okay. woman tells uh, the I like story. That. I know. So you don't know. Okay. Uh, like, the point no, of the I story can. is that he asked me. He's like, "So did you come?" Mm. And then I said, "No." And then he goes, "Liar, you came." What? <laughs> this man was full of himself. Yeah. Wow. 
Wow. I so, I, okay, him. I'm wondering. Were you <laughs> <laughs> making sounds that made him think? Like you said, it was good, right? So it was good. The sex it. was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe you were moaning and making Of like, course, I'm a loud sounds. fucker. Yeah. So, <laughs> at first, he was concerned. He was reading that as coming. Yeah, he was reading that as coming, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and that's why have, that's that's why yes. that is not that's why yes, women uh, can li- can also like to men. Yeah, yeah, but we shouldn't. I don't really. Or <coughs> lie, just generally. Yeah, but I really, I mean, yes, people can do whatever they want to do, but I think it's so counterproductive mm-hmm. to lie about whether you've had an yeah. orgasm or to fake an orgasm. Like me, I ask exactly how I'm feeling. If we're having sex and it's feeling good, and I want to moan, I will. If it's not making me feel anything i'll be like <laughs> move forward please <laughs> i have i have fallen asleep during sex before. oh my god no but how oh my god no but that was also in a relationship so you know how in relationships you get so comfortable oh, yeah. <laughs> tell me about it i've never fallen asleep during sex i know even oh me i no. haven't i haven't fallen asleep i've been um, married I for a long I time <laughs> Fallen asleep. Thank you. I have fallen asleep. It's true. It did. I I have fallen asleep. But yeah, you know what? Not a lot. I have so many questions. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? The one thing I do not like very much about sex with the same person over and over again is because you know what works for you. You get into a routine. Yeah. You know, so it's like tweak this, do this, do that. And so when you're not in the mood and you're tired, you just drift off because mm-hmm. it's routine. It's routine, you know? Yeah. 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 And that's when you fall asleep. Yeah. And the rest of the routine. Yeah. Me if I fall asleep, keep fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I've been awakened. Which yeah. is lovely. That's the best. I love being woken up. Really? I hate oral sex. I, really I love being woken up by oral sex. Oh, please. Even by oral really? sex? Really? Yes. Actually, I've no, never... No. You can I still be sleeping. You'll be coming no. in your sleep and going right back in it. Just let me sleep. Yeah. Let me tell you. It's good stuff, Let me sleep. Yeah. Like, if you're going to work, get, get, don't switch on the lights. Like, be quiet. <laughs> but if there is sex involved, <laughs> wake me <laughs> I swear to God, I will. I wake up for sex and I'll go back to sleep. <laughs> but if you turn the lights on, we fight. <laughs> oh, I love being awakened by like good oral sex that is so generous. Mm. And then I would come half asleep and they go, I didn't even come out of the stage. I'm still right there. <laughs> this is like this. lovely. Yeah. This is so okay. generous. <laughs> that, so that, you can be, that you can be woken up for. <laughs> that you can be woken up for. Yeah. I still want to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> How about staying asleep during through the, the fucking? I will wake up. The minute you start anything, I will wake up. So just let me sleep. <laughs> You know, yeah. like, yeah, when I'm up, we can have sex, but if I'm sleeping, let me sleep. Okay. Mm. Yeah. That's it, guys. Yes. Yes. So I feel like I don't want to do it. It is so good. Yes, this is so much fun. <laughs> it's so good. So yes. Thank you so much for being here. Please let people know where they can find you and maybe find your work and stuff and where people can access you, all you guys who don't really go on social media. I and know, I know you're talking I, about me. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys want to find Nike on social media, go Ask on to friends. at the spread pod. <laughs> 
all I've done, I'm all about all I've done is contacts. post pictures Which of her is all weekend. completely obsolete in 2019. I know, okay. I know There's better. I know better. <laughs> okay, so where can people find you, Nana? And, and all your work? Okay, so for me, lots of places. <laughs> First of all, check out the blog. The full name is Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women. The URL is www.adventuresfrom.com. On Twitter, I'm Nas009, Nas like the rapper Nas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On Instagram, I'm D for Darkhoa, so D F O R D A R K O A. I really don't like Facebook, so please don't send me any Facebook requests to be your friend because if I haven't met you, I won't accept it. Um, <laughs> Twitter and Instagram are where I hang out. On Twitter, I'm more like tweeted about things that I. <laughs> like maybe conversations I'm interested in. Instagram is my happy place. So come to Instagram for nudes, for pictures of me dancing, for pictures of me being happy. Nudes. (laughs) Send nudes. Hashtag send nudes. Yeah. (laughs) I actually have an Instagram, Kaz. Okay. Oh, oh, do you? And you just remembered when I told you, right? (laughs) Yes. It was only a few days ago that I discovered you have an Instagram. I know. Because I was like, and I can make a little effort. (laughs) So my Instagram. And I today, I actually put it on my name. Naike Le Dan. So if you actually look for the I, you'll find it. So you don't need to look for the nickname that my grandmother used to call me. That was like my way of like hiding under the rug. No, yes, I'm not hiding anymore. I come up to light because there's nothing Mm. to hide. It's all nice. Mm. Love it. Yes. Uh, For Mm -hmm. me, you can first check out uh, Eyala, E-Y-A-L-A dot blog. Uh, And it's at Eyala blog on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. In English and French. So come and practice mm. your French as well. Uh, merci beaucoup. <laughs> merci à toi. Merci. merci. <laughs> Thank you guys for being on the spread. For you guys who want more details, everything. Oh, wait. I have a question. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Why did you pick the name The Spread? Why do you think? I know. But I, I don't want to like... Assume. 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 Exactly. It's the double entendre. Mm. So the spread, when you have breakfast, a breakfast spread. So it's basically uh, an array of conversations around oh, sexuality. So a I buffet. And the a sp- sex buffet. We. A sex spread. Spreading on your bread. Also. Spreading the news. Yeah. And you're you spreading know? your legs. Yeah. Yes. Also, you, don't, you never have to spread your legs. You People can sometimes. always work around it. It's lovely like that too. Yeah. <laughs> you can keep it really tightly closed and it's exactly. like a great, great You can rub your legs together. <laughs> form of masturbation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's it. Can, can we say goodbye now? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you guys Thank for you. being on the spread. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening. I really have loved this episode i really have and if you want to know more details about our guests obviously they're in the description box below this is our last episode for the year it's not the end of the season yet because i do have a couple of surprises for you up my sleeve which i'm going to be releasing in january thank you all so much for everything and we'll see you next year bye